It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? It's another episode of Locked on Raptors, and on today's show, we have reached the quarter pole of the NBA season, and so it feels like a good time to look back, reflect, and take stock of where the Raptors are. We're going to go through each member of the Raptors' regular rotation and determine whether or not they have been at, above, or below expectations so far this season. We will do it with the help of the wonderful Sahal Abdi, one of the recurring fellows on the podcast who was part of, of course, of our uh, week or our annual over-unders episode and podcast. And he is here today to take a look at the first quarter of the season. And it will be a great time. That's all coming up on today's episode of Locked on Raptors. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1068 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, November the 30th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, and you can find the podcast free and available on all your favorite podcast platforms, whether it's the regular audio apps or on YouTube. So please subscribe, follow, tell a friend, rate, review, all that good stuff. And thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions you do not want or need. And you can even negotiate better deals on the ones you want to keep. Truebill, we got more on them coming up a little later in the show. And on today's show, we are digging into the first quarter of the Raptors season, going to go player by player and determine whether they have been at, above, or below preseason expectations uh, through the first quarter of the season. And joining me to do that with us today is Sahal Abdi from Raptors Republic, host of the Wrap-Up Recap Show. Uh, Sahal, man, how's it going? It's going great, man. I'm glad that you can finally see my gorgeous face on Lockdown Raptors <laughs> podcast. So that's the first thing I wanted to say. Um, Long overdue, that, yeah. This is, <laughs> this is something I'm I'm happy to do. I think the Raptors season is almost at a point where people need to hear um, what's been going on and, and how they can improve and what they've done so far. Yeah, so let me, before we get into some players here, Sahal, I got to kind of get your gauge on how you feel about this season because, I don't know, I am trying my darndest to just like not get weighted too deep into like the online conversation about the team because it's never good. It's never going to be a a productive time. And so I'm just kind of like observing from afar and throwing the odd retweet or fave out there and trying to uh, disassociate myself with online as much as I can. Not really doing super well with it either way. uh, Like the general sort of vibe when you have the finger on the pulse of the fan base feels very negative and like angsty 
And I can't get there. I'm just happy there's basketball with like a competitive and fun team, even if they have plenty of flaws and have been injured and have lost a bunch of games. I'm doing just fine watching this team, and I still think things are going to turn around here at some point. But where are you, man? At the quarter point of the season, are you like, I guess this is sort of the big picture before we get to individual players. Are the Raptors at, above, or below your expectations? And how do you feel about it all? I think... You know, they're right at my expectations. I think if you were to ask me after their six and three start, I would have said they were punching a little bit above their weight. But mm-hmm. um, I think what we've seen in the Raptors the last, I want to say, 10 or so games is is almost what you expect from a very, very young team. This is a team that, you know, they didn't have Pascal Siakam early on. Scotty Barnes, yes, he was he was showing up. He led the rookie of the year, you know, early, whatever you want to call it, the early voting. Uh, he shocked a lot of Raptors fans. Um, he was almost like the star of the Raptors season, the little star that the Raptors were proud of. Um, and then, you know, as Pascal Siakam came back, and I don't think there's a correlation between these two things, by the way, but I do mm-hmm. think as as he came back, the Raptors went through a transition period where they were trying to learn how to integrate um, one of their best players, if not their best player on the team. Um, and that took a little bit of time. But also I think a, a lot of people kind of fell into the trap of, oh, Pascal Siakam's back. The Raptors are falling apart, which only means that yeah. this can be Pascal Siakam's fault. Um, and I think he's proved that that's, that's probably not the case. So, um, uh, you know, we've seen the Raptors kind of crash and, and fall back down to earth um, a little bit. They have won some tough games this year against teams that they weren't expected to win against. And they've lost games against teams that they were expected to win against, a lot of the Detroit Pistons. So um, I think this is, this is what we're going to see from Toronto. They are very competitive. They're... You know, starting lineup can probably go against any starting lineup in the league. It's just past that, you know, what can what are we going to get from the Raptors? And, and we just don't know yet with such a young, um, you know, dynamic, but also ripe. Uh, yeah. Or non-ripe <laughs> Not ripe, bench. extremely green. Not ripe, yeah. Yeah, extremely green bench. So The opposite of yeah. ripe, you bite into it and it's like, this is garbage. I will never eat this pear ever again. I, I'm done with pears for the rest of my life. Screw pears, garbage fruit. Uh, but we don't need to oh, no, no, linger no, on no, that. No, no, no. <laughs> Come on. They're like sad apples. Uh, I don't need <laughs> sad apples in my life. Uh, so, yeah, I think I'm with you in large part. You know, I, I think yeah. there is I, – I, we'll, we'll get to it here. I feel like my sort of outlook on the team is going to be very positive when it comes to the best players on the team and extremely negative when it comes to the non-best players on the team. Yet, as it always happens, it's those best players who tend to become like the lightning rods for criticism. I'm just going to read a stat that uh, Josh Lewinberg tweeted out yesterday. Uh, you know, pretty basic bench scoring thing, but uh, the Raptors rank 30th in NBA bench scoring. Their bench has been outscored by opposing reserves in 15 or 21 games this season and by 187 points overall, including 74-28 over the last two games. To me, if you're watching this team and you're thinking, your thing is the, the, the good players are the problem... I don't really think you're watching the team. And I think it really is the depth. It's the injury. It's the sort of back-end rotation guys who've been you know, thrust into action because of the injuries that have been the real downfall here. But let's get into it here, Sahal. Let's start with uh, with some players and go player by player here. We'll begin with Fred Van Vliet. We're just going to go by who's leading scorer on the team, and we'll just go ascending from there or descending. That's right. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, so far this season, 20 games played, 20.1 points, 6.5 assists, 5 boards, 
1.7 steals. He's shooting 39.3% on 8.23s a game. He has an effective field goal percentage of 53.8, best among Raptors regulars. And he has a 57 true shooting percentage, which is quite an uptick from where he was last year, which I think he was around 51-52 by season's end with the burden he had and the very not good supporting cast around him. So very promising signs from Fred VanVleet so far. Has he been at, above, or below? This is not where the hands, at, above, or below, as my hand gestures now have matched up to what they're supposed to be. Uh, your expectations coming into the season, Fred VanVleet? I think for me, definitely above. Um mm-hmm. A lot of that has to do with the expectations that were placed on him prior to the season. Him, you know, if you've ever watched my um, post-game show on, on Raptors Republic, Wrap Up Live, I mentioned ad nauseum about, you know, Fred Van Vliet stepping into a new role, what I like to call the Kyle Lowry role, where mm-hmm. not just, you know, leadership-wise, but I think it's, it's a whole new role on the court where he's expected to take a leap in playmaking. Um, you know, I've, I've seen Fred put an emphasis this year. This is a smaller portion of, of Kyle Lowry's game, but one that matters, an emphasis on rebounding the basketball defensively. And that obviously, he has to do that now that the Raptors mm-hmm. don't really have that elite rebounder. If, if the best rebounder on the court for you or on your team is, is probably Precious Achua sometimes, yeah. you probably don't have an elite rebounder on your team, a guy like DeMontis Sabonis, um, a guy like Joel Embiid, guys that the Raptors have been going against the entire season. So Fred, for me, Definitely stepping into a new role and and doing well in that role. And then we haven't even talked about all the off the court stuff. How he just, it just seems like he's just fitted to be the leader of this team. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the statistical side of of things for Fred can get a little bit better. He's never really been a super efficient guard. And he's a guy that obviously at the rim, people want to see a little bit more. But I think that's just mm-hmm. going to be Fred's game for the rest of his career. He's a six foot guard, if that. A guy who just struggles to finish at the rim, but a guy who's a very good shooter, a guy who can give you 30 on any given night, can really galvanize your team. So with Fred, I he is definitely above my expectations. Yeah, totally with me as well. And, you know, I made this point on yesterday's podcast, but he's just gotten like a little bit better at everything. And in some cases, a lot better at some things. Uh, I'm just looking right now at his field goal percentage by distance, Sahal. So far this season, inside three feet. Uh, let me just get, let you venture a guess. What do you think Fred Van Vliet is shooting inside three feet so far this season? Hmm. That's tough, and you're putting me on the spot, and I'm very, you know, I'm frightened, <laughs> to, I'm frightened to answer only because if I answer too low, people are going to, uh, you know what, I'm going to go. I don't think you can, though, because his entire career, he's been not very good from there, so you're probably I'm, safe if you're going low. I'm going to go, I don't know, 45%. Oh, yeah, no, you're way off. It's 62.5% at the wow. rim. He's been insane okay. at the rim so far. Okay. Not a terribly nice. high percentage of his field goal attempts just uh 12 percent of his shots are coming there the lowest mark of his career but he's clearly finding avenues to score around there obviously the sample it's still only 20 games so it could certainly evolve here one big game one game where he goes one of eight at the rim you know that could totally change things but that's been a a significant uptick for him this season he's also shooting 66.7 percent between 16 feet and the three-point line uh his next best career number from that distance was 41.7 as a rookie uh he's taking about 10 percent of his shots from there so you know he's found just new ways to get buckets and move the offense along and he's doing the sort of intangible stuff the stuff that doesn't quite show up on the score sheet as well like the kyle lowry stuff i hate making the constant kyle lowry comparison but it's inevitable at this point he is playing like kyle lowry in a lot of respects and so 
yeah, he's been fantastic. I think well above expectations. He's been the best player on the Raptors so far this season, which I did not necessarily expect coming in. I, you know, I think Siakam still has the mantle as the most talented player on the team, but Fred has been the best player on the team this season, full stop. And it's not especially close, especially considering he's played 20 games and the other very good players in the team have played 10 and 15. Um, we will get to those other very good players here in a second. So, Hall, we're going to dive into Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent Jr., all coming up in the next segment. But first, I want to tell you all about our friends over at Truebill, which is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. This is something I do all the time. I'm a very forgetful person. I will buy things for one use and then totally forget to cancel my free trial and then boom, I'm paying for a year of Punch Bowl or something like that. I don't even remember what Punch Bowl is. I just know I still get emails from them saying, do you want to come back? No, I canceled a while ago, but I would have canceled way sooner had I had Truebill. On average, people can save up to 100, uh, 720 bucks a year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. It's a scam, baby. Truebill makes it incredibly simple, however. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap and your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions as well so you don't have to... I can't tell you the number of times I have signed up for something, not needed it after one use, and lost money because I forgot to cancel. It's a bad thing. I think it happens to a lot of people. Otherwise, Truebill wouldn't be sell- serving over 2 million users right now, and they've helped save over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash NBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash NBA. It could save you thousands a year. Once again, Truebill.com slash Locked on NBA. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, continuing on here with your first listen of the day here on Lockdown Raptors, Sahal Abdi, Raptors Republic, here with me. And uh, let's start yep, going yep. through the rest of the roster here, Sahal. We've got, uh, who's up next? Uh, OG Ananobi. So far, 15 games played. Haven't seen him in over a week's time now. Almost two weeks, I guess, at this point. Uh, 20 points, 5.4 boards, 2.7 assists. He is shooting 43% from the field, 36.6% from three. Overall, just under 50% or just under 48% from the field. And his true shooting on the season is just 53.4%, which is an uptick after a pretty rough start where he was hovering around 50. OG Ananobi for you, Sahal, uh, at, above, or below your preseason expectations. Um, This one's a little bit tougher. And I know a lot of people would say above immediately, but some people had some very, very high expectations for OG. Um. Mm-hmm borderline all-star um some people were pegging him as an all-star he's really going to take that leap especially with pascal siakam out i think og's at my expectations um yeah i think it's almost unfair for me to say above because i felt like i'd be i feel like i'd be short selling him a bit but he really came into this season um immediately and struggled for the first couple games i believe and then yeah. started picking it up immediately and we saw that OG where we were like, okay, we might just be able to to build a team around this guy. Um, he's never going to be really a Kawhi Leonard, and I love and I know I'm making that. Um, the only reason I'm making that comparison is because 
Kawhi is really the only true, true superstar the Raptors have had. Um, I think yeah. I think in their entire franchise history. Um, and this is Terrence Ross erasure, but that's fine. And it's <laughs> and it's easy. It's also easy for me to say that because um, the, the it's the obvious comparison. OG's been that three and D guy's entire career. Kawhi was that mm-hmm. guy early, early on in his career, and then took a massive leap into superstardom. So. Um, I think he's at my expectations for sure. We're seeing OG that really improved his shot profile this year. We've seen everything from OG, which mm-hmm. I honestly never thought I'd be able to see. I was a massive fan of him when he was at Indiana. I rooted for him to get um, drafted by Toronto. I thought at 23, he was way too low for Toronto to get. Um, obviously, he had that knee injury, and then he dropped to Toronto. Masai took him with the pick, and he's looked like a very good basketball player since then. And then this year, even with large expectations he's meeting my expectations so i'm i'm okay with saying at he definitely met my expectations og and and, and he should be proud honestly of what he's done so far this season yeah. we'll see though if he can keep it up because pascal siakam is back which means a chunk of his usage is going to go out the window um and then obviously scotty barnes has been one of if not the best rookies um in the nba thus far yeah, we'll we'll get to Barnes and Siakam in a sec. Just I, I I'm agreeing with you completely on OG. I think it's exactly kind of what I expected. Um, you know, the scoring might even be a little further along than I expected in terms of the bag that he's kind of displayed. It's not been efficient all the time, and he's had plenty of times where the lead up to a shot looks beautiful and then it's a brick. But for the most part, he's been really, really dynamic. He's been, you know, one of the better scorers in the team, obviously. And he's been able to bust out, you know, an array of sort of counters and whatnot that I didn't really expect in year one of him kind of scaling up to this higher usage role after being just like a super efficient, low usage guy for a long time. You know, I think the playmaking is coming along as well. I think he's got good vision. I think it's now a matter of sort of figuring out what defense was trying to do to to him and then counter that with playmaking. And that's going to take some time, probably more than a year or two. Like we're nowhere near the finished product here, but the start here, even with the sort of lower efficiency than you would have expected or would have hoped for, I mean, it's entirely expected to me. Like he was going to drop down. He's not, he wasn't going to be a 60% true shooting guy and a 24% usage. It's just not what's going to happen. But I think the way he has adapted and learned as he's gone along and you know kind of found ways to still find his traditional old easy buckets in addition to being this more high high usage guy i think it's been great and i have no problems with how og's performed so far very much at expectations if not just slightly above uh let's move on to pascal siakam shall we pascal siakam of course just 10 games played so far this season 17.7 17.7 points, 5.2 boards, uh, sorry, 7.2 boards, 3.6 assists. He's shooting 35% from three on 3.7 attempts. And he is uh, currently sporting a true shooting of 55%, uh, which has fallen a little bit. He started off pretty nicely. The last couple of games have not been terribly kind to him in the, in the efficiency department. Obviously, Pascal Siakam, the guy who uh, you know draws the most criticism and ire from Raptors fans of anybody on the team. It's exhausting. All of that. What has you know? What what were your expectations going in? Has he been at above or below so far in his ten games? Uh, it's so tough to say just because it's been only ten games. But I do believe yeah. we are starting to see the ascension of Pascal Siakam. But I think considering what we've seen in ten games. I genuinely believed we'd see a slower start from Pat. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm going to say above. A lot of people mm-hmm. agree with me because, like you said, he's the easy scapegoat for, for Raptors fans and, honestly, general NBA fans as well. I've seen 
you know, Pascal, when he does really well, 10 for 12 shooting versus the Kings, almost unstoppable. Nobody can, you know, mm-hmm. he gets a little bit of praise, but I feel like when Pascal shoots under 50%, the, the tiki torches start coming out and, you know, all of the, the, the haters and you see everything with Pascal. So I feel like he's just the easy scapegoat. You don't really see it as much with Fred Van Vliet. Um, obviously, you're not going to see that with a rookie and Scotty Barnes or really OG Ananobi. One one last thing I wanted to mention about OG Ananobi. I know we've moved on, but he's only 24 yeah. years old, Sean. He is 24 yeah, years old. He turned 20 yeah. <laughs> in July. And I'm just starting to see like the true prime seasons. I think you could say the last few years have been true prime seasons of, of DeMar DeRozan back in San Antonio yeah. and then now in Chicago. And he's around his age 30. He's, yeah. his, age, his age 30. So it's 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 shocking to see with OG. But back to Pascal. Um, I think it's he's definitely above my expectations. I, I didn't I expected honestly Pascal to take maybe 15, 15 or so games of really just struggling. And the Raptors honestly yeah. struggling. The Raptors have struggled, but I don't think that's be, been because of Pascal. I think he's had more good games than bad since. But mm-hmm. he's definitely above my expectations. I think if we if Pascal really just continues what he's been doing thus far and the Raptors start winning these close games instead of losing them. I am. I really do believe you're going to start seeing Pascal in the, you know, at least a fringe All Star conversation in the East. Yeah, I mean, it might be too late with the ten games lost for him to really kind of, you know, hammer the sort of like punch at the weight of the All Star level. But I, you know, I don't think it's out of the question. He's got it in him for sure. And I think I, I'm with you. I, I think he's probably right around my expectations through ten games. But the thing is, I didn't expect him to be back as soon as he came back. So it's kind of already gravy in a lot of ways. Like. I thought it was going to be 15, 18 games before he returned. He returned after 10. And yeah, there have been a couple of stinkers in there for sure. I think the first game against Boston that he played was really rough. Obviously, the Jazz game may be the worst game he's played as a Raptor, or at least you know since he kind of took over the mantle as the number one scorer on the team. That was an awful game. There's no two ways about it. It was a miserable performance, and you can't have that from your most talented player. But I, I think... The way that he has sort of settled back in, the way he's got the mid-range game cooking a little bit and the confidence that he's kind of inspired with that mid-range game. And I think just the way he has slowly learned to play with Scotty Barnes, and I think it'll happen when OG's back as well. Like, there's too much passing and ball handling and size for those three not to have some sort of connection together. I think it will come. And I think we've seen it so far with Siakam and Barnes and learning to play with one another. And I think there's been... yeah. Yeah, I was going to say his three-point shot's also back. Like, Sean, if you remember yeah, last season, yeah. this was the biggest kind of gripe with, with Pascal's game about how his three-point shot has completely fallen off. I think he was in the 20s in terms of percentage. Yeah. And now he's not doing fantastic. I mean, we're never really going to see a season where Pascal's in that 40 to 50% range. That's just not him. No. But if he's right around he's league average around that. Now. Around that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point after what we saw last night. But um, I think I, I think if you if you just get that 35 to 40 percent mark from Pascal and this this season, I'm pretty sure he's at 35 percent from what I see right now. Mm-hmm. And then just before, I think if you look two games prior, he was in that 40 percent range. So I think if you just stays if he stays around that range and he can keep defenses honest, that's a that's a whole different Pascal. Yeah, totally different player. Totally. Uh, again, I, you know, it's all about your expectations with Pascal, and I think we're done with the is he going to be a number one option guy? I, I think that's done. Like, there's no reason to expect that. There's no need to expect that because 
max players don't necessarily have to be top 10 players in the NBA. There are 50 max players in the NBA. Not all maxes are made the same. His max is lower than most of the max guys anyway. And I also just think, you know, if he's already determined that, you know, we've already determined he's a number two on a good team. I think that's very clear. I think paired with the right star and he can fit with any star, really. He can fit with like a dominant big man. He could fit with a dominant lead guard. He can fit with a dominant wing. He fits with anybody as a number two. That's a good player to have on your team, regardless of the, the contract. And I think the, where the conversation with Siakam goes so wrong is the expectation that because he's a max, therefore he must be a number one option. That's just not how it works. It's not a perfect world. Clay Thompson's not a number one option. He's a max guy. It's just, it's there's no need to put that undue expectation on Siakam. He's not a number one guy. That's fine. He's the 27th pick in the 2016 draft. Where he is right now is a pretty damn good place to be. And I think once this team hopefully regains some full health here as well, that's only going to help him more because he's not going to see three bodies every time he tries to drive into the paint. Let's quickly here hit on Scotty Barnes. Actually, no, we'll save Scotty for after the break. Let's quickly hit on Gary Trent Jr., Sahal. We're going to have to start rapid firing through these guys because we've gone far too long, but that's okay. Gary Trent Jr., uh, so far this season, is putting up uh, all the numbers. Find it here. He is currently at 17.3 points a game, 3.1 boards, 1.7 assists. 48% 48% total, uh, sorry, 48% on twos, 37% on threes. He has been a delight to watch. He is uh, the gunner that was promised, all of that. Uh, Gary Trent Jr., at above or below expectations so far this year. My guy, uh, Duke Blue Devil. I'm a huge Duke Blue Devil fan, so I've been rooting for Gary Disgusting. Trent since he entered the Frankly, league. Frankly, offensive. Get off the podcast. Thank you. I, I, I know you were watching Paolo <laughs> Banchero uh, do his thing. I have not watched a college basketball game in like seven (laughs) years. So, uh, no, I was not. (laughs) uh, Yeah. So Gary Trent Jr. For me, there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of sentimental side for me, but I do think Gary Trent Jr. I was really excited for him once he was initially traded for Norman Powell um, in the middle of last season, right at the trade deadline. Everyone knew Norman Powell was going to move on. He did. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. Came in brand new team. It was just, you know, Everything around him was different. The Raptors were not playing at home. They were practicing in a hotel ballroom. So, like, it just – everything was weird. He came into this season. So, I think this offseason was very important for him. This was the real transition. Uh, Last season was the real transition season for him. And this season, um, we really got to – getting to see uh, Gary Trent Jr. be one of the main guys for Toronto. He Mm -hmm. did get paid um, over the summer. The Raptors put that faith in him. And a lot of people still believe, you know, he was a trade chip. And he – Still can be, still can be a trade. Could be. That's a very. There's an eminently movable contract. (laughs) Absolutely, and and a lot of teams would take a player of Gary Trent Jr.'s, um, uh, his ability to to be Mm. quite honest. I think Gary Trent Jr. He, he, you need him for Toronto. I think Nick Nurse. I've 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 said it multiple times on my own show that maybe Nick Nurse needs to experiment a little bit more with Gary Trent Jr. Um, Mm. I think it's good that he's moved away from the off the dribble game, and and we're seeing a lot more. Um, just catch and shoot scenarios. Him as a spot up shooter, I think that accentuates his value more than anything. But also, Gary Trent Jr. has made it a point to kind of emphasize and prove that hey, I have this as part of my game too. I'm a complete scorer. This is what I can do. Um, so I, I I'm going to finish that off by saying I think Gary Trent Jr. has been above my expectations, but very slightly above, just in terms of how he's fit in with the rest of the Toronto Raptors team. See, I was going to say that he has been the guy who's been most above my expectations coming in. Like, he has been, like, 
such a balm for the offense when they really need it. Like he's kind of taken on that Serge Ibaka role in a lot of ways where it's like sometimes you just got to have a dude who's ready to shoot it. And he always is. Also, you know, I, I agree. I think they need to work him in as like a guy who they use like the off ball gravity with and stuff like that a little bit more. Uh, but that said, he's shooting currently like 9% better on his contested pull-up threes than he is on his uh, wide-open threes. Uh, sorry, not on pull-ups, just on contested threes. He's at like 46%. He's at 37% on wide-open threes. So uh, true gunner stuff. We love to see it. Uh, and the defense, obviously, has been a delight to watch as well. You know, he gets in trouble sometimes. He over-gambles. He, he overreaches for steals. But he has been a, a big driver of the transition game that has kind of helped the Raptors subsist here. Uh, huge fan of Gary Trent Jr. and his work so far this season. Well above where... I would have had my expectations. So, Hall, we're going to finish up. We're going to do Scotty Barnes, and then we're going to run rapid fire through the rest of the roster coming up in just one second. But first, want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag that have you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues to march towards the playoffs. You've got basketball season rolling. You've got baseball futures in line, you know, maybe kind of uh, coming into picture here with the free agency mess that's sorting out. Not mess. It's good times. It's a very fun hot stove season. Either way, BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website and sign up today to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, to get that bonus. You put in 100 bucks, use the code LOCKEDON, you get 150 bucks. Magic in your account that's wonderful from basketball football nhl boxing and ufc right to your favorite vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the rest of 2021 bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports bet online is where the game starts the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Sahal, let's finish off here and uh, go next to Scotty Barnes played 19 games he is averaging 15.2 points i still believe leading all rookies in scoring 8.3 boards 3.3 assists 1.1 steals half a block he has uh slowly started to shoot some more threes 32 percent on one and a half attempts a game most of which came in the last game either way uh sahal scotty Barnes, obviously above expectations right yeah and it's it's see you were talking about gary Trent jr I was a little bit shocked by that. That Gary Trent Jr. is at your yeah, I might have highest spoke, above expectations uh. <laughs> because Scotty Barnes, um, since he's been drafted, I, I genuinely so I, I projected him to start for the Raptors like many others did, but I did not see this coming. I did not see a mm. clear cut number one rookie of the year. Whatever rookie ladder you're looking at, NBA.com, it does not matter. Scotty Barnes is on top of that, and and to be fair. The rookie class is incredible this season. Like we're talking about yeah. guys like Josh Giddy, Cade Cunningham, uh, Evan Mobley, who has done incredible, who's also back from injury for Cleveland. Um, mm. This isn't wrapped up in terms of the Rookie of the Year award race by any by any stretch of the imagination. But I do think that the fact that Scotty Barnes leads such an incredible rookie class says enough of on enough on its on its own. Mm-hmm. Also, also Sean. Scotty looked like the most consistent Raptor until Pascal Siakam got there. Um, yeah. And that isn't to obviously say Pascal's ruined his, his season or anything like that. 
But I'm shocked that he was the most consistent rap there. I mean, Fred, a little bit of a slow start. I already mentioned how OG Ananobi started a tiny bit slow to start the year and then kind of went off. But mm-hmm. I, I, I am, I'm still in complete shock. I wake up and, and, and I'm thinking, how did Masai Ujiri do this all over again? How did he <laughs> do this? And, and this is, there's a lot of fans, Sean, that wanted Jalen Suggs. There was a ton. And, uh, you know, I was trying my best to go around and tell people, guys, let's not do this. Masai Ujiri has this under control, you know? Um, I, I, you know, I was honestly shocked uh, four years ago, was it? That Pascal, when Pascal Siakam, or five years ago, when Pascal Siakam was drafted, I'm like, who the hell is this guy? And mm-hmm. we all know what happened there. But, man, oh, man, above expectations by a mile for Scotty Barnes. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's hard to argue that at all. I guess the thing that's interesting with Barnes is he's so far ahead of the game offensively that even the fact that he's probably below where I thought he'd be on the defensive side of the ball, it doesn't matter because his offense is so you know robust at this point. You know, he's doing the thing where every third quarter or at least for a quarter every game, he's just like taking over the game with his playmaking and with his scoring. Like it's just been an absolute thrill to watch, and to me has been the only thing that really totally matters about this season so far. Like everything else is kind of noise compared to Scotty Barnes looking this good and having this kind of star quality this early. It's really, really exciting stuff. And I think the defense will come along. I think we've seen in the last couple of games, even he's kind of tightened up a little bit as a, as a, as an off ball defender, you know, he kind of knows where to stand a little bit more. That's going to still be a work in progress, obviously. And his on ball defense is not there right now either, but the offense is so expanded. The passing is so wonderful. He throws no-look passes. I, that's above my expectation. If you're throwing no-look passes, you're, you're you're in my good books immediately. So uh, super in on Scotty Barnes, obviously. He's been well above expectations. And I think that's about where the praise of dudes being over expectations is going to end. But we've gone through Fred, Siakam, Trent, OG, and Scotty Barnes. All of whom, with the exception of maybe Pascal and OG, have been above exception. Or sorry, above expectations, and those two guys have been at or maybe slightly above. So uh, it's not their fault, is what we're saying. <laughs> uh, let's move into the guys who maybe uh, take a little bit more of the blame for the Raptors' slow start to the season. Uh, Precious Achua has played 18 games, 14 starts, 8.2 points, 8.1 boards, 1.6 assists. He's shooting. Uh, 29% on 1.33s a game. Overall, he is shooting 39% as a big man. Not what you want necessarily. His true shooting percentage, 43 on the season. Um, that said, he's got some good quality. His defense has been really good. Lewis Zatzman wrote a piece about how good his defense has been yesterday for your very sights, Sahal. Yep. Um, we're going to put like 30 seconds on the clock for each of these guys to give our quick take above, at, or below, and then just your, your quick thoughts. Presses Achua. Below expectations for sure. Uh, Precious mm-hmm. is very young. Uh, he came off a very good summer with the Nigerian uh, Olympic team. Um, so I think he's coming to a brand new team, traded for Kyle Lowry in a package. He's trying. He was trying his best to prove himself in the first several games of the season. I think now he's almost uh, molding back into his role. Um, definitely below expectations. The shooting numbers have to get better for Precious. Um, mm-hmm. And I think he's going to be a big uh, part of the Raptors' second half of the year or at least you could say the next 75 percent of the season um and if he really does well because the raptors need a five the raptors need a five a consistent five and and if ken birch isn't always going to be there you need precious to be there so below Mm -hmm. expectations for now and hopefully that improves for for precious 
Yeah, I would say I think his defense is ahead of where I thought it would be. His offense is miles behind where I hoped it would be. He's just got no sort of craft right now. It's just like everything is a nail and he is the hammer. And sometimes you need a, a Phillips and he just does not have that in the tool bag right now. And so, yeah, I think below expectation is fair. That said, I don't think I had like crazy sky high expectations and I don't think it would be a stretch to think that he could turn it around and come in, you know, slightly above even like considering where his defense kind of puts him at with the floor right now. But yeah, the offense is so rough. I don't know how you can put him anywhere, but a little bit below where you would have hoped he could be 43% true shooting. Ain't it? Uh, let's go next to uh, who's got on the list here. Uh, Svima Hailuk, 21 games played, 7.2 points, 2.6 bar boards, 1.1 assists. He's shooting 34% from three on 3.3 attempts, 34.8. That is uh, your quick take on Svi at above or below. Um, I'm going to go at. Um, Svi is a guy that I think came into this team very late. He joined this team very late. I, I tweeted actually a couple of weeks before he was signed that maybe the Raptors need to start looking at a two a two guard a guy who can play the two and three um, who sure. can stretch it out a little bit more uh, they didn't really have a perimeter scorer like that and not to say that Svi was going to come in and, and light you know light everything up for the Raptors but he's young and he's done some things in the league where maybe the Raptors feel like they can um, improve on their Obviously, you know, their player development system goes without saying. It's 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 incredible. It feels like Toronto's just on, on, a, diff on a different planet altogether when it comes to player <laughs> development. But um, Svi's at expectations. I think he's at. He is up and down defensively. Uh, there are games where he just looks so energetic and so ready to play defense, and he's all over the place. And then there's other games where it's like, where are the rotations? What's going on? And then the same thing offensively. There's some games, you know, four for six, and he's just shooting everything he can and making everything he can. And then there's other games where he just cannot get anything going. So I'm going to say at expectations. I never really expected him to to come to the Raptors and, and light things up off the bench. Yeah, I think that's maybe where I aired here, because I think I did expect a little bit more after seeing him in the preseason. And just the inconsistency from these, he's 35% from three, which is fine-ish. Like, it's not what you want from a specialized shooter, but he has been a guy that I've, like, constantly wanted on the floor in big moments just because of the space he kind of brings we've seen really you know successful looks where the raptors have you know gone with you know fred and a big and then just you know svi utah og whatever a bunch of shooters in between or a small ball look with a bunch of shooters and those have been pretty effective and i think like a svi utah combo on the bench going forward now that utah's back is going to be a pretty good combo i just I feel like I've been left a little bit wanting when it comes to the shot making. It doesn't feel like the shot making is there when you really need it. It kind of feels like it's in garbage time or in moments where it doesn't quite swing the game as much as you'd like. And so that's where I'm a little bit, uh, you know, cool on Svi so far, even though I do find myself wanting him to play all the time because I think his shooting is very valuable to what they have, even yeah. if he's not a dead eye shooter that maybe he was branded as and probably unfairly because he's just a 36% shooter for his career. Um, and like nine teams so maybe there's something there too uh let's go uh we got a few more guys here to hit on we're not gonna hit on everybody just because no one's played a lot of guys haven't played enough games we've got a few guys left kem birch uh 15 games for him three starts 6.9 points 5.7 boards 1.3 assists he is shooting 54 percent on twos he's only taken i think one or two threes on the season hasn't hit them uh where's kem birch for you at above or below um, I'm going to go at, I think the Raptors got him at a very good number, um, in the off season. I was kind of worried that the Raptors 
we're not going to get that done in terms of bringing Cambridge back um, mm -hmm. because the way the rest of their roster was, you know, structured, I just thought that you don't necessarily need an elite five for Toronto to really mm -hmm. do what they want to do um, just in terms of how Nick Nurse's system's employed. But Cambridge came back, I believe it was on seven million a year, if I'm not mistaken. And he's done what you expect him to do. He's a starter. I think he's just about an average starter in the league in terms of the five position, maybe a little bit below average, but I think the Raptors can get away with that because they boast so much talent um, mm -hmm. on the rest of their starting lineup. But I think Ken Bridge, it's so tough, man. He's been injured so much of the season. I feel like the games he does play, you're almost excited to watch because you feel like the Raptors finally have a pick and roll threat. And then obviously we mentioned the struggles with Precious Achua. So that accentu accentuates what you need from Ken Birch even more on the games he's missed. So I'm going to say at expectations, considering everything. I'm going to go slightly below for Kem, just because I think uh, you know a good chunk of his games have been hampered by A, his return from COVID, B, his return for like, this knee swelling thing that seems to like when he comes back, it takes him a couple games to kind of round into form. So I'll just say, you know, slightly below with a lot of potential to be above. Also, I, you know, I expected... No, I don't know what I expected in terms of three-point shooting. I expected more than what we've seen, considering the way they were kind of testing him out last season. And maybe that just sort of speaks to the garbage timiness of the back part of last season, where nothing really mattered and you couldn't take anything from it. But I, I do think there's a little bit more there in terms of like corner three-point shooting. I keep using Daniel Tice as my comparison for Ken Birch as to like what I would love him to be is like Celtics Daniel Tice, where if he's hitting one or two threes a game, it can completely change things for you. It clears the lane out a little bit for Pascal and for OG and other drivers, you know, allows Scotty Barnes to work in the dunker spot. I just think like the complexion of the Raptors lineups would look a lot better if he could space it just a tiny little bit. Maybe that's unfair, but I thought there were enough signs last season that he could be a super low usage corner shooter on, you know, a steady diet of open looks and be reasonable at the you know, league average or so. So I think I'm a little bit disappointed on that end. But again, he's been kind of stop and start with the knee stuff and everything like that. A uh, couple more guys to hit on here. Apologies for going long. We are going to go to Chris Boucher. Uh, this is low, right? Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. I just hope he doesn't search <laughs> his name after this. Uh, <laughs> Chris. Um, yeah, I'm going to go below expectations. Very simple. I'm not going to go too crazy on what we've seen from Chris Boucher thus far. You look at the yeah. Raptors bench prior to this year, and no matter how much optimism you had for this Raptors season, the bench was always the weak point. Um, and you really, truly believe that Chris Boucher was going to be the strong point of this bench, and he just hasn't been that at all. Um, yeah. We've yet to see a Chris Boucher true breakout game like we saw last season. He's not shooting the ball well. I feel like he's in his own head. It's not necessarily a talent thing with Chris Boucher. I feel like he can he's definitely an NBA player. He's definitely an NBA rotation player. But I just feel like he's in his own head. He just cannot get anything going. His inconsistency is beaming at this point. Um and he honestly Sean looks like one of the Raptors true trade chips that they have available for them at the NBA trade deadline. So we'll see. Yeah, he's not going to land much, but he certainly, I think, is on that radar right now. And, and yeah, I mean, look, we don't got to sort of kick a guy while he's down, but it's been really rough yeah. for Boucher. The three-point shooting drop-off from last season, I think everyone agreed last season was like kind of unseasonably warm for Chris Boucher from three. 
it's been a complete reversion back this year. And, and look, I've never been terribly high on Boucher as like a guy who can drive winning. I've always enjoyed him as like a guy who can make the regular season more fun. That hasn't been the case this season. So even as someone with like lowered expectations coming in, I think it's been well below what you would have hoped from Chris Boucher. And honestly, his lack of bench punch has been a, a big detriment to the team. Two more guys to hit on quickly here. Delano Banton has played 21 games out of the uh, – yeah, the Raptors played 21. He's played all 21 games. Only him and Sfee have played all 21 games, which makes me sad. Uh, 4.7 points, 1.7 boards uh, – sorry, 2.1 boards, 1.4 assists. Uh, quickly on Banton, pretty clearly above, right? Yeah, absolutely yeah. above. Like if we're talking above expectations and I said Scotty Barnes was, was Miles, I think – yeah. Delano's right there with him. I genuinely believe Delano would be a stretch for him to even capture any minutes with the senior team this year. I thought he was going to be plugged into the 905 roster and we'd never mm-hmm. see him again. Um, I thought he would do really well in the G League. And he had a nice little stint there where he just went there and was like, with his stat line at least, he's just not meant to be there at all. Mm-hmm. Delano Banton's already an NBA player. I've seen more than enough from him. Um, obviously we've seen the Sean Livingston comparisons. <laughs> he is tall, wiry, has a tight ball handle for his size, gets to the rim really well for his size and his playmaking's way above what I thought it would be. So Delano's above expectations. Shout out to the Rex Dale kid. Yeah. Love Delano. He's an absolute delight. That said, I do think there's a potential that maybe the 905 destiny does come true here. Now that Utah's back, we've seen him kind of seen his minutes drop a little bit here recently. I don't know if it's entirely warranted, but uh, that might be just because they have a lot of guys who are probably worthy of minutes here. He might be one of the casualties. And I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. If he goes to the 905 and does what he did in this one 905 game for an extended stretch where he is the lead guy and puts up 37 and nine every night. That sounds pretty all right to me as a developmental tool. Lastly, Malachi Flynn, 23 games played. uh, Sorry, he's played 15 games, that is, uh, of the Raptors 21. Two and a half points a game, 1.3 boards. Um, This is a tough one because he hasn't played, I think, as much as people would hope. But where has he been at relative to your expectations? At, above, or below? Um, Malachi has been below. (laughs) It's it's, Again, it's tough because he hasn't played as much, just like you said. Mm-hmm. But you have to take that into consideration when you evaluate his season. The fact there's that there's a Delano reason Banton, he hasn't earned the minutes. Clearly, <laughs> yeah. The fact that Delano Banton can come in and just you know take all of his minutes, and Malachi at this point, yes, Delano's you know minutes have have dropped down a little bit with Utah returning, and they're trying to give Malachi some run. They're they're trying to get something going with Malachi, but I think we still have yet to really see see the breakout last season looked incredible and again i don't know if it's because the raptors just looked bad altogether last year and maybe malachi was just Mm. showing out um he had a lot more opportunity he was starting some games last season in a lost season so um but i think i think below but i do think that will change sean Um, i think malachi eventually if he gets consistent nba minutes there's no way i can just see him staying at, at, at the level he's been at so far yeah, I, I mean, he's shown flashes the last like six or seven times he's been put into a game. He's done positive things. The scoring is not quite there, and I do think that's how he's going to have to live. And, you know, if the shot making doesn't come around, could be tricky. But, uh, you know, I, I think there's enough there in terms of the way he drives play when he's on the floor, the way he gets the pace going, the way he's been kind of tenacious on defense, ripping balls away from rebounders when they're unsuspecting. Like, I think it's like four or five games in a row now he's done that. So that's nice. But yeah, it's uh, below, I think, where you would hope that the second year guard would be. 
And with that, Sahal, we have reached the end of this podcast. Thank you so much for being here, man. It was an absolute treat to talk to you and run through the Raptors roster. Where can people check out all your wonderful work? Yeah, Raptors Republic is the platform that I'm on. So I'm uh, the host of our new post-game live show. We debuted it last season, and it was almost like a trial run. And then this season, we we brought it back. It's myself, Oren Weisfeld, Aiden Moss. We've got Kyle Brickman on. Um, and then we're bringing on guests for the rest of the season. So it's going to be fun. Um, check out Wrap Up Live on YouTube. Um, anytime a Raptors game ends, guys, we are live. It doesn't matter if we're losing by 20 or we win by 20. The Raptors <laughs> will be there. So I think for, for me, it's it's been fun, man. Live post-game shows is something I never imagined myself doing. So it's been fun. Also, check out Basketball Bullies podcast if you're um, into just general NBA news and NBA Top Shot stuff. Um Check that out. Basketball Bullies podcast on all your uh, podcasting platforms. Hell yeah. Uh, that's going to do it for today. You can find me, of course, at Woodley Sean. Subscribe, rate, review, find the podcast free on all your favorite platforms, and subscribe on YouTube. Uh, make your second listen of the day after making us your first, of course. Go listen to Locked On Blue Jays. Uh, changing it up. Usually I go promote Locked On Fantasy Basketball, but the Blue Jays are doing stuff, baby. And Lucas Weiss, Jen Smith have you covered over there on Locked On Blue Jays. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. They had Keith Law on last week. Lots of great guests if you are a baseball head like yours truly. And with that, we will talk to you again tomorrow. Breaking down Raptors Grizzlies on the podcast. We'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.